0: Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike, and we are really excited to be with you today. We're going to jump right in. The podcast uh, topic today, we're really excited about it actually, is about our church's membership commitment, elders and deacons, and we'll probably spend the bulk of our time on this membership commitment that that just recently came out to the church. But then we're going to talk a little bit uh, at the end, toward the end of the podcast about elders and deacons in their role in uh, shepherding the flock, leading and uh, guiding the believers here at Grace. And that's exciting as well, because on this last Sunday, uh, the 26th, is that right, Mike? Mm -hmm. No, today's the 26th. 23rd? (laughs) The 23rd. (laughs) On the 23rd, three new elders and four new deacons were confirmed and uh, and laid hands on uh, by the elders. It was an exciting time. So uh, let's get into this, Mike. Uh, Maybe just... For context, if anybody's not aware, would you explain, uh, first of all, what a membership commitment is, and then second, why we're talking about this now, and what just kind of what we've recently created at Grace? Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Hello, everybody. So here's the thing. A lot of people sometimes say, a lot of Christians will say, well, membership isn't really in the New Testament. We We don't really have a membership model. This is just something churches do. I beg to differ, you know, and we have, by the way, if you go to www.graceorange.org, our website, you'll notice we have one of our position papers, elder position papers, is on church membership. And we teach this very clearly that the Bible, and especially the New Testament, does uh, very strongly suggest uh, church membership. And that there are a lot of things, and I don't want to go through that whole paper right now. You can go look at that. But it really is rooted, if you think of even the name, like member. Right. You're not joining a club. You know, this is not a country club membership. This is not, you know, where you pay your dues and become a member. And right. I'm a card-carrying member and what have you. This is a biblical. And and I'm going to take us to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Yep. And you'll notice, now this is interesting. Well, I'm going to pick it up. If you pick it up with us at verse 12. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Here's how it reads. This is the word of God. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Drop down to verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Drop down to verse 25, Uh, I'm I'm telling you this so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And then verse 27, this will be the last verse I read. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I think I heard the word. (laughs) You got it right there. Now the Greek word is melos, okay? It means, it, it literally means a member or a limb, like your, your arm, okay? Right. It's a limb of the body, yep. it's a body part. In fact, it, it is translated part, like three different times in the New Testament, but uh, 33 times in the New Testament, it's member or members, okay? Now, that's where we get the word for members, but where we get the concept of church membership is all through the, the New Testament. And every time like a church is mentioned, a church and that kind of thing, it's always talking about a local assembly to which real people in real time belong to a real church under real elders. Right. And it's not just like a concept like, hey, I'm a member of the body of Christ, the universal body of Christ. And I'm just one among many and I don't know any of them, and I'm not really in a church, no, that that's not possible. Mm-mm. So biblically, members. And the reason we I want to tee this up this way is because now you have a membership commitment. And these are the type of things we talk about with people that come to be a member at Grace Church of Orange. And there's plenty of people that, that attend Grace Church and maybe have attended for many years and haven't become members. We want them to become members, okay? Because it's biblical. And there's a higher level of awareness on the part of the member i'm a part of this body i'm responsible like i preached on sunday in first thessalonians 5 verses 14 and 15 that all those imperatives were for the church admonish the unruly right uh help uh help the weak and uh, be patient with everyone all those things and there were four six imperatives and it was that's what the church does for each other so uh there's a heightened awareness there but also a heightened um accountability right to elders and and to and to the people and, so yeah, we put this together and uh, it's got ten statements. It's on our website. It, it does have ten statements. And it's on our website. It is people on the can website. Check it out. And it's got yeah. Bible references for all ten right. statements. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, I want to get to the membership commitment in a second. I do want to just ask. Maybe could we uh, pull over to the side of the road? I'm thinking of someone who might be listening and they're not a member, um, and they're kind of maybe they maybe they have been at Grace for a while and. And just sort of kind of feeling like, you know, it just feels a little, you know, formal to me. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can get along just fine at Grace without being a member. Do you have any encouragement to somebody who's kind of feeling that way? Like, why is is it important to be a member? Because someone, you know, just from the outside looking in might say, well, what's the big difference between being a member, you know, Mm -hmm. quote, or just showing up and being a regular tender?" Sure. Any thoughts there?
1: Yes. And by the way, I liked your wording. Let's pull over to the side of the road. I like that. Just pull the car uh, over to the side of the road. Pull the car over to the side of the road (laughs) I can text while I drive. No, (laughs) no, 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 that's illegal. Don't do that. Don't do do that. No. Uh, Yeah, let's pull over to the side of the road and have a little talk. Okay. So yeah, for the person who you know you've been at Grace Church of Orange for a long time, you're like that's a little formal, this that, and I can get along just fine. Let me, and I mean this kindly, but let me point something out to you that maybe you haven't realized. That mindset, if we haven't encouraged it as a church is an independent streak it's it's almost like i'm gonna do what i want and because the elders of this church set up a membership when we started this church and we we meant it it was a um it was the model that we saw in the in the bible and so we wanted to follow it so if someone is in the body going well i'm just going to do this because i don't really want to do that you're saying I'm not actually going to submit to my elders on this. The problem with that is if you, if you choose that as your first thing that you won't submit to, what else? What else are you going to do that maybe will harm body life? Being a believer is not, hey, I'm an independent contractor and I happen to be blessing Grace Church with my presence for a while until I want to blow out of town. And you go, oh, no, I've been here 35 years. Wonderful. But wait. On whose terms? God's terms are yours. Hmm. So what I'm submitting is that God's terms say to do this. Now, we could have said, hey, we're not going to have a formal membership. Sure. Okay. Because we have you fill out a form that gives your testimony and your background. Bible doesn't say to do that. We have freedom to do that, but Bible doesn't say to do it. Right. We could have said, we're going to have an informal membership where anyone who commits with us you know, just kind of gives the thumbs up and, and kind of does what the person does when they say, I can get along without the formal membership. The problem with that is we've, we have set up a formal membership and we have the freedom to do so. There's no biblical, you know, injunction against that. And so what I would say to encourage this person, and you're already probably feeling a little raw here. You're like, you just ripped off a scab. What do you, Connor asked you to encourage us and you're beating me up, you know. I would say to encourage you is join the church. And, and maybe because the elders set it up that way hmm. and say, this is my first step of, of submitting to the leaders, you know, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders, and 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 uh, they they are those uh, submit to them, and they are those who who are going to give an account because they keep watch over your souls. And let them do it with joy and not with grieving. It's really tough to know who's really in the body when when you haven't become a member. Yeah, like hey, are they committed to the body? Are they like I don't as the pastor I don't know what people give. I will never know what people give. I know what I give, and that's it. But I don't know what other people give, and I'm not going to go look around and say, but but are they serving are they committed but have they have they submitted to the leadership of the church such that they say i'm going with this program right yeah
0: yeah yeah and i think i was one who put the language of formal out there but it's actually if you if we really think about what we're trying to do we're trying to just express something in an organized way that actually happens really organically in the body right. amongst believers who gathered together and said we want to follow Christ together and we we recognize certain elders that oh, yeah. God's given us right. and we're going to submit to them as well. Yeah, and let me just yeah. say
1: this. I, I said I wasn't going to go through the whole you know, membership um, uh, position paper and some of you might have already dialed it up. But here, let me point out two things in it that I think maybe some Christians don't think through. In the New Testament, here's one example. When, in P, when Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, he is speaking to a local church and they were all identified as part of the flock of those elders. Because it says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Mm-hmm. So it already presupposes that the, the, the congregation has already said, we're part of your flock. Right. The shepherds know. They have to know who those sheep are. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Identifiable. Yeah. Second thing. In 1 Timothy, you have, it says, let a, a widow be put on the list. And then there's this, just these qualifications. Yeah. Uh, a widow indeed. In a local church. You would know, you would even have lists like of a widow of widows that need to be cared for by the church because they're known and they're recognized as a part of that church, part of the flock right. that needs to be cared for.
0: Right. That's helpful to know there's a precedent for lists, keeping track of things. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. knowing. Yeah. Knowing you're just you know, have to yeah. know who the flock is. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Um, mm-hmm. let's get into this membership commitment. I don't know that we'll necessarily read it in full, but we could kind of pick our way through and maybe just point out some mm-hmm. ideas. that, Because we, we kind of were, you know, the elders, the pastoral staff, we were all kind of, you know, putting our minds together on this and trying mm-hmm. to come up with something that we thought captured the kind of things that believers would want to joyfully commit to. So let me just begin. I'll, I will begin at the beginning. I'm going to read the preamble. Having been brought together by God's grace and mercy to repent of our sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and having been baptized upon our profession of faith, we seek to live out the following commitments we make before God and to one another as members of Grace Church of Orange. Um, Mike, before we get into it, do you have any, any thoughts on the significance of that language of we're making a commitment before God and before one another?
1: Yes. So first of all, people are saying, look, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that I've been regenerated by by the Spirit of God, in the gospel, and I, I've I've gone through baptism. I profess my faith publicly, but now I'm making this commitment before God because I always live in the presence of God before the face of God, coram Deo. But also, I'm not again. I'm not an independent contractor. I'm not a lone ranger. To one another as members, that is a beautiful thing. It's think about all the one another's in the Bible. Think about our first Thessalonians. Series about how the beloved of God become beloved to one another. Uh, you became very dear to us. First Thessalonians two eight. You know we were well pleased to impart to you not only our our lives but the very word of God. Uh, uh, excuse me, not only the word of God but our very lives since you became very dear to us, mm-hmm. beloved. And I think just to say, wow, we're in this together. We are a body together in a local assembly. We aren't just making this commitment to God or to the elders but to each other in the flock. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as, as you're talking, I'm glancing through a few of these, and I'm kind of realizing, man, it, all of these we'd read, and anybody who has the Spirit is going to be just saying, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I rather than going through all of them, I was just going to point out maybe one or two that, that stand out. One that stands out is in light of your preaching in 1 Thessalonians right now, just this one that hits at the idea of unity. Um I, I don't know exactly what number it is, maybe number seven. We will seek to live peaceably with all people as far as it depends on us, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, dealing biblically with any conflicts that arise, putting the welfare, welfare of others before our own. Do you have any um, any thoughts on maybe just like putting some legs on that, helping someone think through, what are the implications uh, you know, of that commitment for my life?
1: So Romans 12.18 basically says, as far as possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all or be at peace with all people. And that's pretty straightforward. That means you don't have any unreconciled relationships with anyone that you are aware of. You've done everything you can. Now you've tried, maybe there are some and you've tried and tried and, and some people stop short and they kind of pull over to the side of the road, you know, and they don't go the full, they don't go to the finish line on this. Mm -hmm. Well, I tried and they said, no, I think get some wise counsel on that. If that's, if that's you, because Maybe you haven't tried all the things that maybe a wise Christian friend would tell you. Okay, giving you wise counsel. But the idea that we would we would live like this is that we are basically thinking outside of ourselves, and you know being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, um, dealing biblically. What that means is if you sin against me, I'm going to go straight to you. I'm not going to gossip behind your back. I'm not going to get a coalition of people against you. I'm going to go straight to you and and appeal to you, that we want to be at peace, bring it up to you. Um, it, it's that kind of model. It's an other-oriented way of living, which yeah. is what God intends. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Another one, uh, number two, I had re- read past this one, but uh, we will seek to live holy lives empowered by the Holy Spirit, denying ungodliness and worldly lust because sin no longer has dominion over us, walking in newness of life. Obviously, all kinds of passages across the New Testament talk about how we've been saved to live a holy life. Titus 2 comes to mind. He Mm -hmm. saved us to be a people for his own possession, eager to do what is good. Um, Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about uh, just how the body expresses the holiness of Christ and what that looks like practically for believers?
1: Yes. Romans 6, you know, basically in verse 12 says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. That's tough. You know, 1 Peter says... uh, sin wages war against our souls that we, we would not kill sin in our lives we would want to get rid of sin in our lives we want to eliminate sin from our lives and not that we think we could be sinless but that we would always be striving for holiness as hebrew says without which no one will see the lord so don't present your members uh, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness present yourself to god as those who have been bought brought from death to life and your members to god as instruments of righteousness Sin will have no dominion over you. You are now not under law, but under grace, and that's a, a, a body life thing. This is spoken. This is not an individualistic thing. This is we're caring for one another such that we don't want our sin spilling out on other people, right? Or breaking out on other people. And again, we live with a consciousness of, well, I don't feel very holy sometimes. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm falling, and but I'm repenting and I've got fellow believers that are helping me live and I'm helping them grow in Christ too. So I think it's just that idea of walking in newness of life. It's not like we're walking around and we all have the whitest clothes on with no dirt on them, okay? Or that like, you know, if you're in a football, game and you didn't get in the game. So there's no mud on your jersey, you know, your uniform. No, 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 we're, we're not, we, we, we walk through this world and we get muddy and dirty and mucky, yep, right? Yep. But we confess our sins and God right. is faithful and righteous right. and will forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we're doing this together and we're just, we're aware that we're seeking to please God, not ourselves.
0: Right. Absolutely. I remember reading a, a Jerry Bridges book and he talked about how as a young guy, he was really concerned about personal holiness and was always praying, oh, you know, God, help me to be more holy. Make me more holy. Yes. But as he got older, his prayer shifted towards, Lord, make us more holy. You know, please help your church. And I think he meant local church he was in and the church at large. Make us, you know, more holy together. And I think that it really is true, you know, as we walk with others and even just grow in our relationships with friends in the body, there's more of a desire to see them walking closely with the Lord and we hurt when they hurt and are distant from him. So... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last thing that uh, I want to touch on from the membership commitment, and this will kind of launch us into maybe just a few few minutes of conversation about elders and deacons, but toward the end, number nine, uh, the commitment says, we will joyfully submit ourselves to the elders who are called to keep watch over our souls, trusting that God has placed them in positions of leadership as humble, imperfect shepherds for our good. Mm -hmm. So that's basically just a commitment to submit to the elders that God's put here in the body at grace and know, know that they're the ones who are called to keep watch over our souls. And then trusting, and this is, I think, a key thing. It's God who's put them where they belong. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're imperfect. And every single leader in this church is, of course, sinful and imperfect. But Jesus has given to us exactly the men among the elders and then among the deacons, the men and women, who he wants to be leading the body um, so I'll just open it up to you, Mike. Where where does your mind immediately go when we start to talk about elders and deacons? What's on your mind right now in light of the new elders and deacons that the Lord's given us?
1: Mm-hmm. It's the model that is given in the New Testament of of the structure of the church. When Paul told Titus, "Hey, you need to put in order what remains," he was speaking of appointing elders and deacons in each local church. So the roles of elders and deacons, and you know those roles are differentiated. We got 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 for elders, as well as 1 Peter 5 and Acts 20 and Titus 1, 7-9, but then with deacons, 1 uh, Timothy 3, 8-12. But the idea that the elder, overseer, pastor, shepherd, all referring to the same office in the church, they're called to shepherd the flock and give humble oversight and teach the word and administer the ordinances and practice church discipline and equip the saints for works of service, that can't be underestimated. This is the way God set it up to the point where i would go as far as to say if there's a church that is operating outside of these bounds they're not as biblical as they could be or they're Mm. not as healthy as they could be even though they might be a great church uh now that hits into you know churches have different traditions well are your traditions biblical okay and so yeah you you want to and you don't have one elder in a church now maybe a guy plants a church but he should be looking for elders men that are qualified to to be equipped to be elders and so you want a plurality of elders. You want a, very clearly in the New Testament, it's a plurality of elders. And then you have deacons who assist the elders in the care of God's church. My friend Alex Strzok said it very well, assisting the elders in the care of God's church. That's what the New Testament church uh, deacon does in serving and meeting practical needs in the church, ministers of mercy and compassion. And where my mind goes to that is not Primarily to the honor that we have pointed out recently in, in verses that we've been preaching about, that Hebrews thirteen seventeen and Hebrews thirteen seven, and also when I was preaching First uh, Thessalonians chapter five verses twelve and thirteen, uh, I my it would first go to the weightiness of being an elder, and every elder I know, every humble elder I know, really takes it seriously, and it's a sober commitment and they are not ever flippant about being an elder it's you're under orders from god Mm -hmm. and so i I think first of the elder role i think then of a deacon role where every good deacon is saying how can i help how can i help yeah and they keep asking that question and they keep doing those things and then i think of the church and i think a church that and our church is a good model of this of receiving just gladly receiving the leadership of, of, of God-appointed leaders. And interesting when you say God-appointed leaders, how do we know? Well, it became clear to us. You know, our elders deliberated for probably a year on the, the newest three elders. And we were training them before that, starting to equip them before that, because their names had been put forth. But uh, I've never known of a situation where the first time we ever put someone's name forth, we just make them an elder right away. No. Now, we do that with deacons at times, but we equip them as well. But it's it's a different role. And again, the deacon role isn't as weighty for the church. The church doesn't hinge as much on deacons because deacons don't lead the church. Elders oversee and lead the church. And biblically speaking. Right. And so and Which that's, is, that's our I was setup. gonna say it's actually yeah.
0: interesting that you say that because there's a lot of churches where that's obviously not the case. I know. But I know. but sorry, go on. Yeah, a lot of a lot
1: of churches the, the staff leads the church, right? And they don't even have elders. Or you can't find them anywhere on their website, or right. they just, or the whole staff is the elders. That's not a biblical model either. Or in some, yeah. or in some
0: older maybe Baptist models, it's the deacon deacons board that has all the power, right? Yeah, or you have deacons. trustees, and not trustees. even in the Bible. That's right.
1: Trustees. No, so yeah, and and again, it doesn't mean that those things are bad per se, but I think if we circumvent the biblical model, we're always kind of in uncharted territory. Where mm. like, hey. You know, are we up a creek without a paddle here because we haven't thought it through, you know? <laughs> yeah. We've yeah. just gone with tradition. Right. So we're we're always gonna go back. What does the Bible say about church leadership? And and I do think just there's this I'm gonna say it's almost imperceptible. The leaders leading and the followers following and everyone working together and no one pulling rank. I'm one of your elders. I have never heard one of our elders say that, nor would we. No. I'm one of our elders. You need to listen to me because I'm one of your elders. Never. Oh, that's like a parent who says you need to listen or a husband to his wife you need to listen to me because i'm your husband uh sorry you already lost it right okay you need to repent buddy right, right Right. and if an elder ever said that we would repent we have to repent yeah and so no it's it's this it's a servant you know we say we're servant leaders of the church but we're called to to do to admonish people in the lord and to watch over people's souls and as paul said I, i'm gonna gladly spend and be spent for your souls i will do that that's what an elder does yeah. by the way real quick and I, th- I know our time is running short but in first peter one excuse me i don't know why i said first peter one but uh, first timothy three first one <laughs> i don't know my might <laughs> we'll get head, there my head thought one thing and my, my mouth said another so first timothy three one the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer he desires a noble task I want to camp out on the the term aspires. It literally means to set your heart upon something, but it doesn't mean that like in one point at one point in my life back you know when I was 40 I aspired, but I don't anymore. That's not the meaning of this. It's you set your heart on it. You want to do it, and you continue wanting to do it. And it doesn't mean that you over aspire where you push yourself in front of the church and say you must make me an elder. Okay. Any man I've seen that over-aspired didn't become an elder. Okay. Uh, men that become elders are the ones that get tapped on the shoulder and say, would you, do you aspire to this? Would you consider talking to us about it? Hmm. They never put their application to their resume and, you know, Right, right. but the idea, and I remind our elders about this often, you aspire means you want to do it and you keep wanting to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. I like the line, um, aim to be mistaken for an elder before you are one. You oh, know, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Right. I like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm reading a book right now that maybe you gave me, Path yeah. to Being a Pastor. Did yes. you give me that? Yeah. Yes. I'm just like slowly picking my way through it. But but he says that the language of calling yeah. is really not that helpful. But, you know, in the New Testament, aspire. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what um, you know, Paul uses. You aspire right, to right. this. Is it a desire that God's put in your heart? Not, has he called you from on high? You know, have the heavens opened and, oh, you know, you're supposed to be an elder. Uh-huh. No, just... Normal desire that the Lord gives you in your heart, you know. Yeah. yeah, and
1: listeners, um, because especially because of our last two podcasts where we talked about reading books and what have We've you, been talking about it. We just name checked this book, "The Path to Being a Pastor." It's by Bobby Jameson. It's by Crossway. Subtitle: A Guide for the Aspiring. It's a good book. There you go. In the it's a title. good book. Yeah. And then I'm going to throw out, I mentioned my friend Alex Strock, but he has written really what I would consider the gold standard uh, because it's so biblical and it's just drenched in the Bible. Right. Uh, biblical eldership. And then he also has the book, uh, you know, the New Testament deacon, uh, basically uh, Paul's vision. It's actually now called Paul's vision for the deacons, assisting the elders in the in the care of God's church. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Uh, That's last by Louis, oh, excuse me, Lewis and Roth Publications. Lewis and Roth. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, listeners, if you're from Grace Orange, we have copies of both of these books. Yeah. And I've got a lot of books. If you want to Just stop by, we'll give you a board. copy. Yeah, yep. Yep. absolutely. If you're aspiring in any way or you want to know more about it, uh, come on by. Tell us and uh, right. contact us and we'll get you a copy.
0: Last question from me, I, and this may be because I spend so much time with youth in the church, but I'm thinking of somebody who might be listening, maybe a high school student, college student, and they're just thinking this feels like it's a little bit far off for me you know i'm probably not going to be if it's a you know if it's a guy i'm not going to be a deacon or an elder for a while if it's a if it's a girl i you know maybe i'd like to serve as a deacon someday but that's a long ways off do you have any um do you have any counsel for somebody who's younger maybe teenage years or in their 20s who's starting to think about this what should they be focused on if they're already starting to have this sense as every believer does i just want to serve the lord you know as much as i can and maybe even just considering I wonder what the future might hold for me. How would you encourage somebody who's in that younger stage of
1: life? Yeah, great question. And, and my heart beats with that because that's um, often, uh, it's a time where you can become a little bit disillusioned. Like, hey, does anyone even notice that I'm wanting to follow Christ? And, right? and you want people in mm-hmm. your life that's saying, hey, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing and you're doing a great job. Let me mention something from 1 Peter chapter 5 because it speaks to this. In first Peter five five, in the context of shepherding elders shepherding the flock of God, it says this in verse five Likewise, you who are younger, be subject <laughs> to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, and that's being exalted to heaven, not to be exalted to a position. Mm-hmm. Okay, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood that are throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I say all of that, and let me sum it up with this. Be faithful in following Christ. Love Jesus the most. Yeah. And serve him in however you can, but just do the next good, right, true, godly thing or things that God has given you to do. Keep doing those things. Keep your keep, kind of keep your nose to the grindstone kind of idea of like keep doing the next good thing yeah and whatever God wants you to do in life will kind of come to you next right You won't have to you won't have to like say wait everybody, I've been waiting to do this and no one has noticed. That is the wrong person. Okay. You just want to be content in Christ in the, in the state he has in your life right now. Just love him the most and serve him however you can. Yeah. That's, that's Amen. our calling in life. Totally. Yeah.
0: So helpful. I, I, I think it's so helpful that the first thing he says, to the younger people is be subject to the elders. And then he follows it up with humility. You know, yes. the world's economy in the world's economy, you get leadership by grabbing as much power as you can, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, trying to hold on to as much influence as you can and accumulate that. But where we're sitting in Mike's office right now, there's a picture of Jesus watching uh, the feet of, I'm going to guess Peter. (laughs) It's just a a disciple. Mm -hmm. But um, that's just, even as you're talking, Mike, I was saying, what a good reminder, you know, that in Jesus's kingdom, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the upside-down world, you know. It's yeah. the humble who he honors and, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, brings towards positions of leadership, not people who are trying to pull as much influence onto their plate as they possibly can.
1: Absolutely. In fact, that piece of art is entitled The Servant, and it's a very special piece of art. that was gifted to me by a dear friend. And mm-hmm. what's interesting about that is, you know, Jesus himself said this, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. There's our march, marching order right Yeah. There. Serve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Super helpful. Thank you, Mike. Listeners, mm-hmm. thanks for jumping in with us. We, uh, we enjoy these times. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy life uh, serving the Lord. Have a great day.